Welcome back to Mixing Up on 100.7 FM, 13 at 40 a.m. The Ticket. I'm your host, Ben Mance, coming to you off from the Johnny's Pizza House Studios. Hot top of the boardwalk here in Budger City. I want to thank one of the sponsors of today's show, Swoop, taking gas station convenience store service to higher levels, locations in Shreveport, Bossier, and Natchez. Swoop, brighten your day. We're now joined by Stephen Godfrey of SB Nation. He joins us every Thursday at 320 on the Paul McMurray State Farm Insurance Hotline to talk some college football. Even with the offseason, there is no offseason anymore. What's up, Mr. Godfrey? How are you? No, there's never an offseason. Um, I was watching football being played. Granted, it was a scrimmage and a practice two days ago. Plenty of stuff to talk about. Heck yeah. Well, I want to start today with LSU's spring football game is on Saturday, and we're going to talk a lot mm-hmm. about that tomorrow. We're going to have a big LSU football segment tomorrow for sure on that front. But my point is, and obviously you follow LSU fairly close. You married to a Louisiana family. Mm-hmm. They're big LSU fans. I can't remember. We can all honestly go all the way back to the Jordan Jefferson 2010-2011 days, and we have been promised a new LSU wide-open passing attack every single spring for a decade now. And so it's just it's like yeah. a, it's like a hilarious tradition. But this year they actually may have backed it up. They went and hired Saints passing game coordinator Joe Brady, and Sean Payton apparently didn't like losing him. But you know what? What do we just take this all with a grain of salt? I would think. A little grain, but I do think that there's a lot of potential here because of a couple things. I think, one, you have a quarterback who can throw the football, and they haven't really had that in a long time. I mean, one of the things, going all the way back to Jamarcus Russell, that that LSU really struggled with was finding complete quarterbacks, quarterbacks that could do everything that they wanted to do at the level at which they needed them to do it. Um, The one exception, I think, in this run was Zach Mettenberger, um, I was at that that classic, just absolute classic game against Georgia. Was that 2013? Yeah. Um, that was the that was the one exception year, in my opinion, with Cam Cameron as the offensive coordinator, where um, you saw them really threaten you vertically, like go out, work the outside, take the top off, just do stuff that LSU is just not known to do. I think the biggest reason why it could happen this year is, and I'm not trying to be salty. There's no less miles. I mean, that's flat out. There's no less miles. I mean, a lot of people are talking about Kansas right now and the fact that you're in the Big 12, which is such a pass-happy league. Like, what is he going to do? If you try and go three yards in a cloud of dust with that roster and that league, you're going to lose every game by 75 points. Well, I think the absence of miles and having someone in Orgeron who actually wants to throw the football, at least wants to throw it in a balanced way, I think that helps tremendously. And also, they finally have a returning starter at quarterback, too. And Mettenberger was the last time I believe they had that. Joe Burrow, who, you know, I know LSU's passing off as a stat certainly weren't great last year, but I thought there were reasons right. to see promise. He was mobile. He's tough. He's, you know, he's got all the, the you know, the, all the, the, the usual intangibles, the coach's son. He's tough, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and they've got right. a t- talented young receiving core. So, I mean, I think there is actual potential with the passing game to get a lot better. I don't know if it's going to set the world on fire, but, you know, I could see it going from, right. from bad to pretty good. One thing that you got to remember, too, go back, and I think you can, like, find them on YouTube or on the ESPN app. If you watch the Miami game, Joe Burrow was, like, just days into really being the starting quarterback of that football team. There was very little prep time involved for a guy to step into that kind of situation, and I was, it really was remarkable. You know, having a great defense certainly helped, and Miami was very confused on, on their offensive side of the ball. But you can see him in that game. He does not have full grasp of what's going on. He just has great command, and I think he's a really poised kid, and it showed. I mean, when you go to the the Georgia game, the Alabama game, when, you know, when they're up against the best of the best, they really reduced risk, I think, to a degree that made a lot of fans angry. 
But I think they were angry for the wrong reasons. They were angry because that's what they were used to. They, they were used to seeing LSU teams who were more talented than the opposition refuse to get lethal on offense, and it ended up costing them. That was kind of the calling card under Les Miles. When they would lay those eggs, it would be just because of a totally confusing offensive performance. And, you know, you remember the Jordan Jefferson years especially, it, it just – like run speed option to the side, like they were baffling for a while. So none of that's there anymore. You don't have to worry about it. I think, I think they have an underrated offensive coordinator. I think, I think the entire philosophy of what they want to do from the day that Insminger got the book was let's be a little bit more threatening downfield and let's come out and spread the formation a little bit so we can open up power run. And, you know, that's not really novel. That's not something that's, that's remarkable or entirely unique, but it's, it's good sound football philosophy because when you are LSU, you're one of maybe 15 programs in the country that can recruit just true blue war daddies, right? Big boys. And you can get physical. And LSU has a wonderful knack for finding amazing running backs in their own backyard, right? In that region of South Louisiana into Texas, like, you can bring in some killers, at running back. So Les Miles wanted to just live inside of that space offensively, and it ultimately cost them. I mean, no, no time more so than, than the national championship against Alabama. I think now Ed Orgeron knows that if you don't balance your offense, it's not going to work. So, I mean, I, I guess my number one reason for it to work is that Les isn't there anymore. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair assumption because Coach O does want to have a lot more balance. What I want to see them do, though, they never throw like screens or short passes to mix it up at all. And I think with bringing in Joe Brady and some of that Saints stuff, you'll see a lot more screens and you know getting the ball to the wide receivers quickly in space, letting them make more plays. And I, I think that's what their offense needs. I mean, when you go back and look at just the short history of Ed Orgeron as head coach of LSU, the things that stick out are Matt Canada is a huge, huge mark against him. I mean, I obviously did not know what was going to happen, that it was going to be such a bust for everybody involved. But they got really, really worried and conservative in the wake of everything that went on with Canada, where you saw, you know, combine that with a kid that didn't, didn't play through the entire summer, and you saw really vanilla stuff. So I think what you're talking about, when, you, when you're talking about mid-range, you know, establishing screens, getting out there, working in the flats, I honestly think they just stripped all that out and went with, like, the five to ten, you know, kind of key, you know, home-cooking type plays that they knew they could run. I think this year... And a lot of a lot of people have talked about Brady, but I, I mean, give Insinger credit. That stuff's in the book. Yeah, I've talked to them about it. I think now Burrow's going to be able to recognize things faster and better. And I think you're going to see that more out, out of like uh, just checking out of other stuff and using the middle of the field more. Also, if you're an LSU fan, I mean, come on. If Joe Burrow doesn't remind you of the great lineage of Matt Mock and Matt Flynn, no one does. I mean, it's like all he does. He does he's got the he's got the the mobile thing, tough leader. I mean, it's like he's a perfect. You know, the two national championship quarterbacks in LSU. I feel like Burrow is a complete chip off that block. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, just again though, we say when you when we we're kind of joking about that, but like those were guys who had arm strength, who had leadership ability. Physically sound guys can get beat up a little bit, and then that was kind of it. Like you know, we're not talking about a bunch of Heisman winners necessarily. It's just that that's the level of of just complete dysfunction the quarterback position has seen at LSU. I mean, bottom line is Danny Etling was a gamer and he worked really hard, but like Danny Etling is not an SEC quarterback at least not at least not on the top half of the league. Like it, that, that stuff just shouldn't have happened. 
Well, I feel pretty. You know, LSU's got reasons for optimism on offense more than they have in a while. You know, you mentioned the LSU, the Louisiana running back Ward Hattie's. Can't wait to see what John Emery looks like this fall. He was the number two running back in the country. He had a desperate hand. Expect him to make an immediate impact. He's a bigger back, and you know, I feel like there's no reason to doubt what Dave Aranda's doing on defense. Even losing Devin White and Grady Williams, they've got. Tons of talent back in the secondary. You know, Jacob Phillips is going to step in, be the next in that lineage of linebackers. They got Rashard Lawrence back on the D line. I mean, this this should be a hell of an LSU team this fall. I mean, just as far as Dave Aranda goes, we're officially in like Brent Venables, uh, like Chad Morris, Clemson assistant territory, where people are trying to pull him away for head coaching jobs, and he's very happy where he's at, very content and. When he does eventually leave, it'll be for a really ideal spot. I mean, that's that's the good news for LSU fans is that he's he's treated very well. I think obviously Orgeron being a defensive coach, uh, I think that appeals to Dave. He likes the culture, and hey, you can recruit you know the absolute best for every position on the field on defense when you're at LSU. Well. Mr. Godfrey, I know you kind of run around the country a little bit and catch some spots. You said you were up in Kentucky checking out their spring ball, and they've got an interesting situation up there with, with Stoops where they kind of remade their identity last year as a physical team. They ran the ball with Benny Snell, and they played hellacious defense. They're losing all those guys, and so they're trying to go back to more of the passing game, I would think, this year. Yeah, a little bit. It's funny, man. The entire East fascinates me because I know that the narrative has been all about the SEC West these last couple of years, but if you have Georgia as a top-in, inarguable, the best team, right? And then you have, and I, I went and watched a little bit of Vanderbilt as well, gone over to campus here in Nashville. You have Vanderbilt, which is like best, best described as a tough out, a good defensive football team that had a nice year offensively. I don't know what they're going to do. They lose their OC as a quarterback, but in between that, you have a bunch of programs that continue to recruit really well and who are all kind of vying to be that second-best team and, and nip at Georgia. You have Florida that kind of looks like Florida of old, but they have a, a decent amount of turnover this offseason. You have a South Carolina team that fell back a little bit, but they've recruited really well. They've got some serious questions. You have Tennessee sort of, you know, for years underperformed, but now they're really they're building on Butch Jones' recruiting with even better recruiting. And then you have Kentucky, who won 10 games last year, and everybody, you know, your instinct is to write that off as a fluke, right? It's Kentucky football. It's not something that we're used to. It's kind of like when Arkansas or Ole Miss jumps up in the West, you expect mm. them to fall back. The East is different. It's totally different than the West, right? Every year in the West, you have a locked-in deal with Alabama, then LSU-Auburn in some capacity, and then you start talking about everyone else. And this is before Texas A&M decided they wanted to be a national power. The East is much more fluid. By the way, I didn't mention Missouri. They've got a lot of questions, but Kelly Bryant could actually do a lot. I think they could do really well, and I like their young defensive coordinator. Um, Kentucky's a great example where, like, I don't really think they're going to – they're not going to win 10 games this year if I had to put money on it. You know, they're not going to win 10 games. They're not going to beat Penn State again in a bowl game on New Year's Day. They're also not going to fall off because they've been recruiting and developing really, really well. And now they're getting in and recruiting in Kentucky and Nashville and other areas because schools like Louisville have, have just been a total mess. So it's been interesting to watch them. You know, they lose Benny Snell, they lose Josh Allen. So they lose their two best players. Eddie Grant was a really good offensive coordinator at Cincinnati. He was at Florida State, a couple of the places. They like to get wide open, but it's, it's just interesting to see how big and physical some of these teams in the East have become trying to follow that saving blueprint. Um, you know, from what I saw this week at Kentucky – 
they're going to look different, but I, I still think that they'll be able to mash you. And honestly, they have no business being as stout as they are in defense. This is a completely different program. Yeah, that defense was incredible. I sure remember the game specifically against Mississippi State where they just, I mean, they just, just destroyed them uh, in that 28 That's a great example, Ben. I mean, just because that's a permanent cross-division rivalry, and we're so trained to think, okay, line play with a Mississippi school, right? Just, just by the region that you're in, that you're going to have more talented guys. Not the case, man. Kentucky was way more physically commanding in that game last year. Yeah, it was a wild. It was great to see them do well. Though I'm always, I know Kentucky basketball obviously has such a tradition, but I love in sports when these schools with the don't have traditions do really well. Uh, I, I think it's just good to have kind of parity, and I know that's uh, unfortunately in college football that's not necessarily always the case on what happens. No, but I'll tell you this, man: if you've never been up there, they have a really big stadium. They have a lot of money support, and they just built a really not, – not just, but four years ago, they built a really nice facility that's football-only connected to the field. And when you go for a visit there, and the coaches were saying, hey, like we feel good when we bring kids in now when you're recruiting against those, those similar schools. like You feel like you can compete. Well, they're doing great things up there. That was one of the wildest turnarounds, though. Nobody saw the 10-win Kentucky coming last season. Well, So where, where do your travels uh, take you next? Going to go to the Carolinas, um, and then going to head to Texas, and then wrap it up uh, working on a story about Georgia Tech. So doing a lot of ACC, kind of bumming around, bumming around Texas a little bit to talk to a couple people. Always, always conversing with my G5s, trying to find that next big coach. I think um, one guy to look out for, actually, kind of in your backyard, is Billy Napier at Louisiana. Yeah, yeah no, I like what he's guy. doing too. I, I'm, I agree. I thought he had a great first year. They had no expectations. He's recruiting really well. Getting around and talking to coaches this this offseason, his name comes up. I think what they're doing, you know, it's a little bit stacked against them right now because there are some really good, solid teams, mainly on the east side of that conference. But they could could jump up, win the conference the next two to three years. I think this guy's going to be in the SEC, you know, in maybe four years. Wow. Well, they've got an interesting opener. I was actually proud of the New Orleans is hosting a UL Lafayette Mississippi State opener in the Superdome. I think that's a very interesting one. I hope Shre- I'm, I'm really cheering hard for Shreveport and the Indy Bowl to try to start doing like a Texas school against a Louisiana, Arkansas, or Mississippi school as an opener, too. Dude, we've talked about it on the show before. I think what they're doing, it, it bolsters ULL or Louisiana or whatever they want to be called. And, I mean, obviously, you get an SEC fan base that gets to go down and enjoy New Orleans for a weekend. It makes total sense. I mean, I think with ULM and Tech right there on I-20, it, it makes sense for Shreveport to try and do the same thing. I know we've talked about this before, but, you know, it doesn't have to be Texas, man. You just call up call up SMU, call up, uh, you know, one of the AAC Texas schools. Yeah, exactly. Uh, even, even a school like Oklahoma State, I'm going to be totally honest with you, they would have no problem playing an extra game in Louisiana where they do a lot of recruiting. Exactly. That's kind of my exact point is all these schools, TCU recruits Shreveport so hard, so does A&M, yeah. so does Oklahoma State, so does Arkansas. So we're sitting in a great spot with our location. I, I And I also feel that just, you know, people want to travel on Labor Day weekend when it's warm outside and everybody's 0-0 zero and zero and not across the country when they're a 6-6 six and six Indie Bowl team. That's just my, my thoughts. Well, since we're not going to get ULM Louisiana Tech to kick the year off in the, in the Independence Bowl like we should, we're probably going to have to go with your idea. Well, either way, I just I love seeing the kickoff games, and I think we're sitting in a spot where I want to make that happen. So I've been a little outspoken on that front. Well, Mr. Godfrey, we always enjoy you, uh, we always enjoy you coming on the Paul McMurray State Farm Insurance Hotline here on Mixing It Up, and uh, have, have a good week, man.
Yes, yeah, sir. I'll call you from the road next week. Heck yes. Yeah. Stephen Godfrey of SB Nation. You can follow him on Twitter at 38Godfrey. We're going to take a commercial, quick commercial break. More from Mix 